beaming from Pacific Junction Hotel to Earth. Yo, welcome to my summer layer. I am your host, Sammy Yunan, and uh, we are at the Interior Design Show, and I have one of the speakers. Why don't you introduce yourself and uh, your position at uh, Jam3? You work at a really cool company called Jam3. So yeah. introduce yourself and what you do at Jam3. Hi, I'm Mike Dobell, and I'm a partner at Jam3. I'm a producer by trade, but um, somehow found myself wearing the many hats of a, of a partner in a, a digital uh, design and experience agency in Toronto, um, Los Angeles, and Montevideo. Mm -hmm. So I have a lot of things going on. Yeah. <laughs> is, is there... Um, What's the best word to use? Is there a different vibe? Is there a different style between like Toronto, Los Angeles? Like in terms of the ideas people have, the, the risks that they're willing to take, just kind of a general, I know it's not a specific science when I'm asking, but you know what I'm saying? Sure, yeah. No, those are two totally different cities, two totally different yeah, vibes. Yeah, no, so definitely. The, the employees well, and the creators you would have would. Absolutely, yeah. No, I, so I mean, our teams in, in both cities are, are different, both in scale, but also in, in their sort of approach to life. Um, you know, if you check the socials of our um, producers in Los Angeles, it's all about their uh, their commute to work, mm -hmm. um, both good and bad. Oh, yes, I can um, imagine. Yeah. So sometimes it's uh, strolls on the beach of Santa Monica on their way in, but uh, a lot of times it's about that, that battle through traffic. Mm -hmm. I think, like, from a creative mindset standpoint, um, there's actually a lot of continuity between our teams. We have actually really international teams in both of our offices, so we have uh, something like 27 different passports um, wow. across our offices. So... It, you know that's the that diversity is our continuity mm -hmm. uh, but uh, in terms of like the the creative um, in in Los Angeles is a lot more focused on the work we're doing in the West Coast so that's clients like Adidas and um, and also the work that we're doing with the big tech up in um, San Francisco and and while Toronto touches a lot of that uh, the uh, LA teams are, are much more exposed to the um, the on the ground vibes of uh, Adidas and like what they're you know what they're trying to achieve with their um, with their brand and, mm -hmm. and with their creators' projects. So, yeah, I want to touch on the Adidas stuff, uh, but before we get into that, you, you delivered a talk earlier today, and it was about the future of in-store retail. Yep. And uh, you just mentioned too, like you guys have like a number of different passports. You have different teams in different cities. Mm -hmm. So uh, you're obviously within the office and with the different projects working with Adidas. You're doing a lot of collaboration. You're working with a lot of different creators. Is there a similarity in what you're trying to achieve with companies like Adidas in terms of the retail store experience? Because that's a collaboration between a corporation and a customer. And are you finding that there's similarities between the collaborations that you guys have in the office versus like collaborating with customers and cl corporations with with clients yeah, yeah. i mean I th if i understand your question i think like that was a big question so yeah i yeah. know yeah, that's that's cool yeah. yeah is so is the way we collaborate uh, internally different than the way we collaborate externally i think a big part of what we've tried to do growing up as a production company is to always be collaborative like mm -hmm. so you know the con the convention within the creative space is kind of go up on a mountain, come back with a solution. Yeah. And uh, and uh, we've never been able to be that way. Uh, we grew up as a production and design studio, so um, we had to collaborate with other with other creative people outside of our company. So whether that's directors or or um, art directors at ad agencies or creative people at brands, um, we, we've always been expected to be a part of their team or an augment to their team. And so as we've sort of transformed ourselves to be more strategically driven and, and so forth, we've, we've never, we've never um, taken that approach of like, you know, go away, internal collaboration, and then go external present or external collaborate. So um, we try to embed our teams with, with our clients so that we can kind of come to these, um, come to the solutions to their, to their business problems or the creative solutions to their business problems um, in a collaborative way. And there's always going to be uh, that careful tension mm -hmm. um, when you're working with somebody who is... Um, Who's paying the bills? But we um, we we try to inspire in our teams a confidence to approach it like a, a true partnership, and 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 the way you do that is by focusing people on this problem to solve. So all of us being advocates for the success of the project mm -hmm. um, is a really cohesive way, or, or like it's a really complete way of keeping people focused on the right um, on the right things. Yeah. You're talking about more like dialogue rather than monologue. Yeah, oh, 100%. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, so I mean, it, it's 
yeah, conversations. This mm-hmm. is this is also why podcasting is so popular there these days, go. right? It's um, you know, I think this is this is something that um, has been really people are craving in their in their um, in their daily experience um, and at, at work especially. You know, we finding the space to have these uh, rich conversations about where we should go with something is. Uh, is really exciting and it's and it's creating incredible results as mm-hmm. well. Well, picking up on that thread, then, so what was the conversation you had with Adidas? So Adidas knocks on your front door, and there's like, hey, we're Adidas. So yeah, what yeah. was the uh, what was the conversation, or what was it that they were coming to you for, and what were they hoping to achieve, yeah. or you did achieve? Yeah, for sure, there was a lot of door knocking before there were <laughs> yeah, rich <no> conversations <laughs> yeah. uh, in both ways, but yeah. So I think uh, as a grounding within the um, within the sneaker community, within any within any really big pop product community, they um, there's there's a there's a common challenge, and that is that when you do a limited release of something, you're creating demand, which is great. You create hype. Um, this is what hype culture is all about, and uh, and products sell out really quickly. The downside of of that whole experience and that whole shift is that uh, products often end up in the hands of resellers, and that you know the resellers are not the super fans; they're people trying to profit from the super fans. We've seen that with concert tickets. Yeah, totally. And so, uh, what ends up happening? They'll do a sneaker dr- sneaker drop. They get bought up, and then the next day they're on eBay at mm. twice the price, which is a real bummer. Uh, it's not the intention of, of the brand, and um, the, you know. So, the, the we've we engaged with them on a secret innovation project to tackle this in another way uh, about two years ago, and um, that was quite successful. It it, it bypassed that that uh, that market and and got uh, the sneakers into the hands of super fans uh, as intended, which was really really cool. And so, when uh, the opportunity to work on ComplexCon came about, uh, they were really wanting to replicate the the success of 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 that. Can you just uh, take a moment just to explain to anybody who doesn't know or hasn't been to ComplexCon mm-hmm. what that wh- what that is? Yeah, yeah. So for sure, uh, ComplexCon is the uh, is a conference uh, put on by Complex Magazine. Um, it's where culture happens, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, if and and within that community of uh, hip hop and hype culture and uh, every brand that matters is there, and uh, it's like Pharrell threw up, basically. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, totally, <laughs> totally. So, uh, so this year the key sponsor at uh, at ComplexCon was Puma, uh, and so Adidas was the challenger brand there. Uh, they were doing some sneaker drops, and uh, the experience that a lot of the brands have had over the past few years is that whenever a drop was occurring at their specific booth, there'd be huge lineups, and then there'd be like elbows and scuffles over to get these shoes. Mm-hmm. And like, while you know, any that's kind of any any uh, brand's dream, you know, to have people fighting for their product. It's actually it's a really negative brand exper- experience, and in fact. This year at ComplexCon, the, Adi- or the Nike booth got shut, shut down because of that. So Adidas wanted to avoid that, and they did avoid that uh, with, a, with a few uh, really cool techniques um, that we helped them put together. It was essentially a, a, a lockering system uh, that dr- at the heart of the experience. So we built into the ComplexCon app um, an augmented reality uh, capability um, at specific moments throughout ComplexCon, these uh, giant cubes that were hung from the ceiling, they were like 10 foot by 10 foot cubes with markers on them would light up. People would walk over to them or run over to them. Um, they were distributed through the space, so there was never a lineup, and you never knew which one was going to line up, light up. People would scan it, and they, that would, uh, if they were quick enough, it would give them the opportunity to then purchase a shoe. Um, they'd purchase the shoe on their phone, and then they'd walk over to a specific designated locker number and pop open the locker, get their shoe out, no lineups, no staff, totally seamless, mm-hmm. no elbows, yeah. no fights, <laughs> get your shoe, and totally democratic, which uh, was a really, really, really important thing. So what did that conversation look like? It was, it was all about, off this top, it was like, how do we democratize the, the sneaker drop? 
how do we how do we avoid uh, fights and scuffles over our product, and how do we do so with technologies so that it's it's got a really commanding moment within the uh, within the within the space. And so, like, there's this really awesome photo that um, I'll share with you, but it uh, it's a it's a photograph of everyone holding up their phones to this giant Adidas cube, and it's mm. it's really iconic. It's uh, you know everyone's sort of s saluting the Adidas logo, yeah. which is which is remarkable. And when you talk about augmented reality, you're referring to like, for example, the Pokemon that we've saw, Pokemon Go that we've seen in the last couple of years, kind of take off. That kind of totally uh, fun that people can have with their phones and like. Yeah, yeah, totally. It's I mean, it, augmented reality in, in in short is bringing is is adding to the physical world a digital element. Right, so that can be, you know, a uh, like Pokemon Go, where you're hiding digital things within um, in within the physical space. So, like at a specific GPS coordinate, there'll be a digital object. That's really that's really cool. But it can also be more like marker marker based stuff, where rather than having to be in a specific spot, you um, use a uh, an image to um, for your phone to recognize to then bring out that digital experience. And that's also taking people out of the store experience. Like they're still like, Definitely. because you said like you were at ComplexCon, right? So you're yep. at a different environment. Like we're here at Toronto, today at the Toronto Convention Center, you know what I mean? Which is not a traditional retail yep. store. So you could easily set up something like that here. 100%. Right? Yeah. And then is, it, is that also important as well to get people out of the store and into like life, I guess, or augmented reality? Yeah. No, t yes. It's important for people to have life. Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, the, uh, I think what's, what's, What's cool about AR and building AR experiences is that the, the they're they're um, very scalable. So you can, what we mean by scalable is that it, it can it can work at uh, in different contexts for people and in different ways depending on the, that context. So you could build an AR experience that um, is maybe part of a brand experience inside of a store. It might be a, it might be a, something that occurs on a tabletop in the middle of your store and it tells your brand story. Mm -hmm. But that same application on your device when you take it home might might be able to scan your the tag of the product you just bought and tell you the specific story of the providence of that product or you know tell you about the artisan who made it or you know where it came from or or, mm -hmm. or something else so you can really shit use ar to um, add both information and play-based experiences and you can also shift those experiences based on what you know of the context of that user for the adidas predator the, yeah. the attributes that you guys were uh, going for, you released a case study. This is where I got it from. Mm -hmm. The the people that you're connecting it with, the, the shoe, mm -hmm. uh, it was a soccer shoe, basically, was what you're trying to do. And yep. uh, you were connecting with really cool people, and they were their values were dominance, control, and creativity. <laughs> yeah. Huh? Yeah, for sure. And, I mean, that's kind of fi feeding a little bit what you're saying. That's, like, the same type. But the people that are going to Complex Con, those are kind of their attributes as well mm -hmm. that they were looking for, the creativity that you're talking about, the more in-depth kind of in experience rather than just, yep. like, that's why I was saying, like, a store, you go in, you buy something, then you leave. Yeah, no, 100%. I mean, I think people today are really wanting those um, brand stories. They want to work with, they want to, like, be involved with brands that are ac active uh, cultural contributors brands that are creating cultural content. Mm -hmm. I think Adidas is doing a great job of this. Um, Yeti Coolers is doing an amazing job of this with their adventure stories. And, and you know, uh, this is the sort of stuff that people uh, use um, or consume and are interested in, um, especially when it's like light brand touch, where you're really telling a human story and you're creating connections. Mm -hmm. And you know that can be in it with a piece of film that tells that tells that story, but it can also be something like uh, Adidas Predator, which was a which was a shipping container with with projections all inside of it and loud music and like you know mm -hmm. wicked technology yeah. and and stuff like that. Is so that a technical term? Wicked technology. Wicked technology is a technical okay. term. Okay, yeah. right. I'm a non-designer, so I'm <laughs> learning the I'm learning the lingo too. So. Yeah, I mean, listen, like, you know, we can, you can nerd out about technology, but the more you can make it sort of sit in the background and, and, and just be something that supports an experience, that's, that's when you've uh, had success, right? And you feel that after all this kind of funkiness and the augmented reality and people buy the shoes, you feel that the experience continues then with them wearing the shoes because they have that, that much, much more layered, nuanced experience? Yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, it was super memorable. I mean, it was so memorable that the CEO of Complex tweeted about it after, as soon as the Puma sponsorship ended. He mm -hmm. tweeted about our piece. So that was, 
nice. was pretty pretty memorable for high him. five yeah high five there you go <laughs> Yeah. Um, and so, as I said, so you work at Jam3, and you guys just recently went through a new identity. Mm-hmm. So can you just elaborate on that? Were you involved in some of the decisions? And it's kind of like a it's a new year, new identity, I guess, is how you guys are yeah, 100%. framing it. Yeah, no, I mean, it's it's been a um, it's been a really interesting journey with Jam3. I mean, just a little bit of a little bit of history. We started um, as three three friends above a, uh, a garage in Etobicoke, which for people outside of Toronto, just know that this is a, a little part of Toronto that God forgot. <laughs> yes, and uh, that should be their official slogan. Yeah. Uh, so, um, humble beginnings, all that to say. And mm. um, yeah, I mean, the guys uh, started to build the company and bring like-minded fans of the industry around. Fans of the industry being, you know, that of design and technology and the mm-hmm. and storytelling and that convergence of the three. And you know, as we grew, we were we created um, lots of great products and stories and things like this but there was a sort of inflection point for us um, that that you know we we felt the industry was really changing again and we needed to change with it and um, or change ahead of it really and um, so we we developed um, we've we've added on a whole bunch more practice areas to our business to really help focus on solving business problems with Mm. um, with creativity and technology as the backbone um, so we we went through uh, a rebrand to to really hone in on that, and so we abandoned um, our old logo, um, which was uh, we used to call the worm, <laughs> and it it had, it had sort of run its course, it, and uh, we were we were ready to explore some something fresh, and uh, so the what what did that process look like? Well, I think the process was was actually really formative for what the end result was. So. Uh, our, our creative director Roger Dario uh, wanted to run uh, two-week design sprints, which is um, a convention within the technology space to run sprints. Um, and the application of a design sprint to a branding project uh, is actually not very conventional, but it feels really natural to us. So mm-hmm. um, we ran um, large quantity of uh, logo directions, um, and we did d- dailies um, on that. Um, to borrow a production term, um, so designers like wicked technology, another term, another another term, yeah. So we would run we would run a daily a, a daily cycle of design, and then we would do a, a creative crit at the end of the day, and we would eliminate directions and then pursue others. Mm-hmm. And uh, at the end of a series of two week sprints, which was sort of the end of that that daily cycling, we we sort of landed on the direction of of our new um, of our new mark. And uh, I'm really, really pleased with it. I think one of the uh, one of the one of the wonderful things about it is is that sort of anthropomorphization of the logo. It's it's got a kind of a wink to it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's a three with um, that's that looks almost like your um, emoji three or your conventional uh, emoji three before yeah. emojis. Yes. What was that <laughs> called? I don't know. I don't. It's hard to know all the like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're the one dropping wicked <laughs> technology and yeah. stuff. I'm keep. I'm trying to keep up okay. with the. Yeah. Well, I mean, back in the yeah. day when you'd use a when you'd use a semicolon and a. Oh and yeah, a, yeah. Smiley face, I guess. Yeah. 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 I don't know. Yeah, I can't remember. There was a term. I can't remember what it is now. Yeah. That's gonna drive me nuts now all yeah, day. That's all right. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So it, it's it's that it's that sort of wink, um, yeah. which 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 we really like. I think we um, you know, we were really. It's it's a wink to where we work best, really, mm-hmm. which is in that space between humans and technology, yeah. and creating wonderful experiences inside that inside that space. So that concludes part one. Uh, that was my conversation with Michael Dobell at the Interior Design Show following his talk, and um, we kind of hit it off. And I wanted to follow up with a few more things, and he graciously invited me to Jam Three to kind of get a tour of the place. The place is fantastic. And to kind of just follow up. And uh, so in part two, we go beyond some of the Adidas stuff and to some of the stuff with Postmates, the work that Jam3 does with Postmates. It's a really fascinating company. And I hope that th- that company does eventually come to Toronto. It's a robot that brings you food. Like, yo, the future is amazing. Anyways, here's part two of my conversation with Michael Dobell. All right. So welcome back, Michael. Uh, we started talking back in the uh, interior design show following your talk. And uh, there was a couple of things that I wanted to uh, flesh out and uh, talk about. Uh, but 
before we get into that, we are here at Jam 3, so we've switched locations. A little quieter. A little quieter. And uh, I want to know, what's the deal with the chicken wings? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Jam 3 <laughs> and chicken wings. What's the... Yeah, 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 for sure. That's a very funny question, and I'm amazed that you came across that. Uh, yeah, no, we, we take it. We got to go to the good stuff. Chicken wings is a good chicken start. Chicken wings are delicious. Yeah. And uh, there's, a, there's a place in Toronto called Duff's, which is famous for mm. their... Uh, High-powered chicken wings. Yeah, and uh, there's a Armageddon wing, which is entertaining for. Oh, I couldn't do that new, one. New employees to experience. Okay, so I won't be working here then. No. So that's your <laughs> that's not. your like yeah. quote unquote like I guess hazing for lack of not a yeah. mean mean thing but just kind of. Yeah, it's it's an onboarding. Yeah. yeah no. It's uh, it's funny. That's uh, yeah. It's been a that's been a bit of a tradition since uh, since early days of of when there were three or four folks here and uh yeah we still try to do wings and it's it's not so much a forced uh, forced experience but it's it's encouraged mm -hmm. yeah. and is that kind of related back again to like the good vibes only uh mural yeah for sure so yeah i mean i think i think one of the things that we've really tried to do as a company is is create a just a, a great culture, uh, a culture of um, positivity, mm -hmm. and um, and you know making sure that we're creating opportunities for people to come together and to experience them each other outside of work and to make connections that, that span beyond that has been, you know, just great for people and um, and for their lives and their their shared experience. But also, uh, it's benefited us as a as a company as well. We've seen projects come out of conversations that have happened on the evenings and weekends between two, you know, enthusiastic, creative individuals, and, mm -hmm. and cool projects have emerged because of that. So, um, it it's it's not entirely selfless. Um, we we believe like if you can create a, a great creative environment, um, it'll just be very healthy for the company. Does th you mentioned kind of like the the healthy environment? It does trigger some ideas and some projects and stuff like that. Is it the same way where like you look at a painting and you can know who the artist is right away or you see a certain film or a certain style of film and you know that's like a Martin Scorsese? Like is it the same thing where like you can see a certain project and you can see some of the Jam 3 culture, the Jam 3 fingerprints oh, kind of on it? Certainly. I mean, I think I think as a as a company we've we've never had a distinct style, but I've had other um, other studios and agency principals say that they know when it's from Jam Three, mm -hmm. and it's it's um, so there's there is that that it, there is an indelible mark that uh, culture places on the work itself, and um, that's not about color choices or you know a certain lean towards a specific style of, uh, but it's it's about it's about the I think the the thoughtfulness that goes into the projects I think is is something to do with that. I haven't put my finger on it yet. Yeah, what you're saying is it's very similar to like Rick Rubin. Rick Rubin produces a lot of music for like BC Boys, Run DMC, Slayer, uh, Chili Peppers, Johnny Cash. But as a producer, there's no consistency. Like when you listen to Dr. Dre, there's certain sounds or certain rhythms mm -hmm. that are classic Dr. Dre. Mm -hmm. But with Rick Rubin, it's like he works on all these different projects and all these different bands and it's all good. Like, does that yeah. make sense? Yeah, there's we talk about fit, fit and finish, mm -hmm. um, and there's so, there's something about that in his work um, that 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 is that consistency. It's that it's that high high caliber work and that that you know attention to detail and that that uh, fullness of space and uh, you know. The flip side of that coin, there's a really cool quote. I might get her name, Carly Di Filippo. Is that the name? She said, she has a really cool quote. She said, producing is like an invisible art. If you're any good at it, you leave no fingerprints. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's a good one, yeah. Right? Yeah. And that's kind of what you do as well. You said, like, sometimes people won't know, like, like there's no Jam 3 credits or something in a certain project or something like mm -hmm. this. But, and that's also some, like another goal as well, in a sense, to leave yep. no fingerprints. Yeah, no, certainly. I mean, that you, you, you hit on that. I mean, we, we, we credit our staff incredibly throughout the production mm -hmm. and in the awards but you'll never see something released by jam 3 and such and such a director or um, or, or this producer as as their project it's it's always our project it's comes from the brand of jam 3 and uh, yeah I mean I think I think you know we as a as a, when we have an experience to make it's to answer a specific business problem and 
you, you know, we need to be advocates for the success of that production, and it's um, and and it's and in doing so, you shouldn't be trying to leave your own creative fingerprint on that work. It should be always asking questions about how we might um, make it more effective, make it more, um, make it more. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and even, like you said, it's a it's a business problem in a sense, right? So you're trying to solve something. Definitely, like the foundation of all of the work that we do is uh, comes from uh, addressing some sort of business problem, whether or not we're involved in the uh, taking a part of that business problem and the analysis of that business problem and the solutioning around that business problem. Uh, mm -hmm. we, we may be involved in that process or we may be uh, involved in strictly the execution of the determined solution to that business problem. So uh, we hope to be a part of all of that where we're looking at the business problem that a client has, looking at the different avenues down which we might we might pursue to uh, address that problem or that opportunity even better, and uh, and then the different things that we can produce that come come out of that that uh, strategically uh, create impact and positive positive results. And so during that process, is that what you're a fan of that in terms of that whole journey, right? From like when a client comes to you, like Adidas comes to you and says, we want to do something cool with sneakerheads or something yeah. uh, to finally getting something at uh, complex con, right? Like, are you a fan of the process or are you a fan of the final product when it's out there now and <laughs> all the work is I done? You have to be a bit of both. Uh, like, uh, I'm sorry to hit, hit it right down the middle. And uh, I know somebody else on your podcast was good at going right down the middle every time, but yes. I'd say uh, <laughs> you have to be a fan of both. Uh, so we, we talk about the continuous pursuit of better has been one of our internal mantras. So, mm -hmm. you know, that's, that's not just the work, but like, how do we get there together? And when we, when we break out as a leadership team to talk about our, our health of our business, we, we talk about people, we talk about process and we talk about product and, um, you have to be fans of all three of those things in equal measure. Um, we need to be spending, you know, 30% of our time working with our people, making their life experience better, hiring new people, meeting new people. That's why we're talking. Mm -hmm. And um, and then we need to be, you know, spending a third of our time focused on how do we create and the process that surrounds that. What are the norms of communication? What's the culture that we're creating? Is it inspiring? Is it is it healthy? Is it all? Is it is it effective? Um, is it is it as tight and and as um, and as well understood as it could be, and then of course the final product has to hit a certain bar and you know we've that's you know that's somewhere that's I feel has always been our our strength is that that craftsmanship that that completes it and those other two things are things that you know as we've scaled we've really had to work harder in those areas to like you know, s strengthen what it is that we do around our processes to, to make sure that we're delivering that every single time. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I think today we've got a really healthy uh, mix of those three. In terms of like my passion though, which I think yeah. might've been where you're- your well, That's what I was getting at, because it's, yeah, it, it's a long journey, right? Yeah. Like from the time that Adidas comes to you to finally doing something at ComplexCon, it's not like a weekend work or something, no, right? No, right? So No, y y well, look, it's, it's, a, it's a bit, it, it, it would be a, um, a short-sighted thing to focus entirely on the end product. I think the end product manifests itself out of the work experience. And if you have the healthy work experience, you can treat every client or project or opportunity as, as something interesting to solve. And then your, solu your solutioning is the fun part. And then the thing that comes out of it should should be logical to the questions we were asking and the strategy we set up. And it uh, doesn't mean that every project is actually going to be interesting as you work your way through it, but if, if, you, if the middle part, the lengthy part, isn't, isn't fun, mm -hmm. uh, then it doesn't matter how cool the end project is, you're gonna burn out as a creative. How much time then, you mentioned the dividing the time and focusing on culture and chicken wings and these things. How much time do you spend also thinking about the future and dwelling in the future and trying to see where augmented reality is going to go or virtual reality yeah. or some of these cool tech toys, where they're going to go? Definitely. How much time do you spend in the future knowing that you have to work in the present? Mm -hmm. It's funny because everything we're doing is delivering months and months out. So we're always in the habit of future casting. Uh, as, a, as a company, we've always worked 
on the latest and greatest um, piece of technology and tried to figure out creative applications for it. We were hacking AR on the iPhone before it was uh, before AR kit and making that that sort of thing work. And it um, yeah, it's a big part of what we do. We uh, we've done we've tackled it a few different ways. So we we run um, R and D cycles or experiment cycles or innovation cycles, whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. But uh, essentially, we will uh, second a group of people together today. Today is probably the most interesting form that it's taken. Is uh, there's a uh, there's an objective in terms of um, uh, experimenting with a new piece of technology or exp or exploring the challenges of a specific marketplace, and then we're p pulling teams together. We're seconding people from the organization to tackle that problem and then to produce a, a solution. So that can come in the form of like a design sprint or a technology prototype. Sometimes that's come in the form of like a user experience uh, film which uh, demonstrates what the possibility of this solution might have in the world uh, mm -hmm. around us um, and what their, what their life might be like if, if, this, if this product existed. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a big part of who we are. We don't have like an innovation group or a dedicated lab or anything like that. It's, it's part of the DNA of, of who we are and we just try to make sure we're extracting the right people with enough frequency out of the uh, their day-to-day -day productions and getting them an opportunity to work in this more free free form uh, op uh, formats. So when Adidas comes to you, then how do you know then you can eHarmony uh, match Adidas with augmented reality and that this would be a good fit and it would be a good marriage? Yeah, um, that, that's a that's a great question. Out of like all the other toys, all the and other toys and tech tech that yeah. are out there. Yeah. That's a that's a great question because a lot of times people will come to us with a preconceived notion about a technology being really applicable to their business problem. So they'll be like, "Hey, open brief. Here's here's this you know, challenge that we've got, but you know, augmented reality." <laughs> yes, <laughs> and, uh, they like because a lot of people yeah. like the sexy stuff. Uh, right? Yeah, for sure. And so we'll. Um, yeah, I mean, we so we we tease that apart, and we we look at the practical the the practicalities of it, and the and the effectiveness of it. I mean, I think to a certain extent, the you know augmented reality, great, like that's gonna get that's gonna get you a headline, and if you're doing an activation, uh, those are all about headlines, so um, that that can work. If it's a if we're bu if we're building something that's meant to um, resolve a real user need on a, on a utility basis, though that might not be the right solution. Although somebody may come to us with a preconceived idea that it is. Mm -hmm. um, so we, we get good at challenging and, uh, and really rigorously challenging ourselves as well as our clients and trying to understand um, what the right set technology set is that should follow the intention. So it's less eHarmony, more like Tinder in a way. Where you kind of just going through, like, is this right? Is this right? This is not what I'm looking for. Until you kind of yeah. Well, I would say it's more like arranged marriage. Okay, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> it's there's no app for that. So. Yeah, no, there's no. Well, I don't. Not that I know. Oh yeah. It, it's um. Yeah, it's absolutely. It's about uh, what's gonna get the maximum benefit, uh, and what's gonna power the thing that we're trying to achieve, um, and which technology which technology is gonna power that. And so what comes first then? Is it the, the decision with the technology and then that feeds into, that cr generates a story or do you start with the story kind of first or does, and then that leads into the technology or is it always just uh, different? Uh, yeah. There's it, more than one way to get to it, work. So, so there, it starts with strategy. Um, so we, we start with people and we, we try to understand who it is that we're, we're going to be addressing their, whose needs we're going to be addressing. Then we're going to be looking at their context. So my context when I'm getting ready to go to bed versus when I'm getting ready to go to uh, to a concert versus when I'm getting ready to go to the grocery store are mm -hmm. going to be three totally different contexts. So understanding user context is super important. And then following that, it's uh, understanding ecosystem and where where does this piece of uh, where does where does what it is we think we might make fit into the broader ecosystem of that person's um, set of tools or set of experiences, um, and where does it fit into the broader, even broader ecosystem of all the tools and services that are out there? 
And then um, usually when you go through those three steps, that really helps us to ground ourselves on what it is that's really going to be truly uh, empathetic to their needs and also awesome in in their experience. Mm-hmm. And the um, from there, we can typically start to see uh, certain synergies between a design solution and um, the, the context where the thing will exist and also the technology that would support that. Typically, experience leads, technology supports, but that's not a rule. Um, and and all, of, all of our design team is really fluent in what's going on with technology because they sit next door to technologists all day. And, mm-hmm. and that's, that's been really for, part, that's a big, big part of our culture here is being that sort of vertically integrated firm where you know, we have research and strategy through to design and technology folks all sitting in a, um, in a, in a scrum floor where they can exchange ideas really, really freely. You mentioned awesomeness. Uh, working at GM3 and working with all these different clients, how has your definition of awesomeness changed or evolved? <laughs> or has it? Has it gotten bigger or broader? Or? Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I, that's a good question. I, th- I mean, uh, sure. It has. I think it's got, I think what used to be awesome was doing something clever uh, and push, put, use, applying a piece of technology in a, in a, and in a in a different way or an unexpected way, like in other words, turning something on its head, and I think awesome today uh, can, is is bro- a much broader thing. You know, I mean, it's it's not just you know thinking differently. It's it's really trying to make sure you're meeting meeting needs and and meeting opportunities for people. I I mean, I th- we talked already quite a bit about um, complex com, but I I think that 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 project was really stand out for me anyway in, in, in its ability to tackle both the desire to democratize a shoe drop and to do it in the context of the chaos that's complex con and to do it in a way that was remarkable and that people were so excited about mm-hmm. that, um, that that captured the attention of the media and you know, the photos of people kind of saluting the Adidas cube was was really mind-blowing for me. So. And is that also related or connected then to empathy as well? Because you touched, touched upon that. Mm-hmm. Or like you said, like part of the reason that Adidas did it this way is because when a really limited edition shoe drops, people are fighting and elbowing and all these kind of like yep. uh, more the ugly side of human nature. And so this kind of now is a little bit more empathy and kindness. Yeah, well, t- definitely. I mean, it's something that I'm working on in my own life. But mm-hmm. it's... Uh, yeah, I mean, we need to. Yeah, we need to be. Um, we, we, look, we we live in a time where um, brands have gotten to where they are today with okay product and sometimes great product, but on the mo- on the on the whole, it's okay product, and they they make up for products being okay with advertising, and so we can hide the okayness of this thing by some great association with an athlete or with a great headline or a cool commercial or Super Bowl commercial whatever yeah, yeah. and uh, today I think we're see- really seeing that migration towards design being fundamental to everything that has to come out we've got much higher expectations as human beings and so and than we've ever had before because we're now exposed to choice and we're involved in a three-way conversation um, in a way that we've never been before, and uh, and the three-way conversation I'm talking about is like the brand, the brand speaking to us through its channels, and us speaking to our uh, friends and and the public about our experiences with that product. Mm-hmm. And so, so many more purchases are taking place with a product review um, reviewed ahead of time, and so I think that it's it, there's a benefit to the quality of product that's that's out there, and from that we need to be designing great products and, and design fundamentally is comes from ha, great design fundamentally has to come from a, a human-centered um, thought process which is a type of empathy do we lose surprise though if we have in these three-way conversation and like if ev- if the focus is now on design can yes. you still surprise an audience and uh yeah just kind of sneak up on them well that's storytelling right and I think that that's that. There's of course a, a wonderful place for that. That's that's 
fantastic. And that's another part of like what we try to, try to bring to the mix because you have to shake it up. Mm-hmm. But I think you have to have those design fundamentals in place in, in order for something to, to, to have longevity and to, to have to be scalable and to not just be like a Christmas tree bauble that you use that one <laughs> year and you hang it on the tree and then that was that season's thing. But um, to create something that you want to um, bring out of the box or keep on the mantelpiece all year round and um, maybe give it different, different, uh, this metaphor breaks down here. But <laughs> <laughs> You're doing good there. Yeah, yeah, but, no. but to give it different, different wrappings and, um, and, to, and to give it different meanings over the course of the year, that's how story can apply on top of uh, design. But how do you then design, I guess it's a complicated question, but how do you design so that you avoid laziness as well? Because we've seen that too sometimes when people, if a shopping cart experience or something's too many clicks or something, people will abandon things. There's a subset of people that are quite lazy too, right? They just want to like download the data shoes like right away or whatever it is. You know what I mean? Maybe laziness is not the best word, but like, you know what I'm getting at? Mm, Not so much. (laughs) Sorry. Um, What's the best way to... I can feel an edit coming in here. Yeah, I might leave some of this in. <laughs> we can, uh, uh, but I, I guess it's just that like people have impatience. I guess that's a better way to put it, right? Yeah. Where like if the story's not going somewhere, and like we've been this, this happens to us with movies as well. Mm-hmm. Where like we know that this guy's gonna join the Avengers, right? Why are we having this whole discussion of like I don't know if I should join the Avengers? I'm like we know you're in the we saw you on the poster. We know you're in the Avengers. You know what I mean? So people sometimes have an impatience or um, a lack of. Uh, ability to wait for something to happen does that make sense and so how do you design something where people can still stay still stay engaged but if the process takes a little longer or if is exceeds expectations they'll still stick with it does that make better sense sure yeah i, th- I think um we well we live in very impatient times mm-hmm. and i think that that's that's a big problem that's what i was getting there you go you're a lot more eloquent than i am that's what i was getting yeah it's i mean we we live it, it's a it's a frustrating time for me as somebody born in the 70s who you know I, I when i got excited about a topic i went to the library and i checked out all the books and i read all the books and i dug deep and i learned something and i didn't have at all the same access to information but i but through that process i developed i feel like i developed a kind of tolerance to deep research and 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 things like that and i i feel like i've brought brought that to this time now where we can have an incredible surface level understanding of so many things and uh and and with that an incredible impatience to get to the point or you know that that's that's six seconds of of youtube spot Mm -hmm. fine that's that's where we live so we design products and services that can support that um the popcorn button on the microwave yes sure the popcorn button on the microwave so with our like this might actually be an interesting time to kind of talk a little bit about our interactive documentary work which tries to has tried to address this in a few different ways um with the with the um with the thing we've called like the 220 rule, which is essentially like you, if you, if somebody's willing to come to the dot com of a interactive doc, they've already got a level of interest about the subject. And, but still, we recognize that people have short attention spans. We try to try to adhere to what we call the 220 rule, where we need to provide a surface level understanding in two minutes or less, um, or dig deep. Um, in 20 minutes um, and provide 20 minutes of depth so people can really get an understanding of you know, whatever the subject is. Mm-hmm. Um, so we try to design for different user types. Um, those that are wanting to dig deeper, maybe more like me mm-hmm. <laughs> sometimes, and uh, or obsess about it, <laughs> but, um, but also to provide that like quick hit. Yeah, that makes sense. Kind of what you're talking about a little bit is, uh, like again, I'll just go back to the Avengers, but it's like, a lot of people who didn't grow up reading comics are enjoying these movies, and then they go, they walk away with just like, oh, that was a fun movie. I was just pl- I had some popcorn, I had some nachos. That was a good day. And then other people who grew up reading comics, they're appreciating from a different level, and they're yep. seeing Easter eggs and yep. different layers and stuff. And I'm like, well, that movie's amazing. I'm like, oh, that was just a summer blockbuster for me. But like, oh, that movie's amazing, right? That's yeah. kind of what you're getting at. Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely, definitely. Can I ask you about Postmates? You may. Uh, so just for people who don't know what Postmates is, uh, just can you break down what the company does? It's pretty cool. Yeah, so Postmates is a food delivery service, of which there are many. But uh, Postmates owns 
a huge percentage of the Los Angeles market. And as a result, they're super popular with um, the actors and actresses in the film business. And so if you check out Postmates on Insta, you'll see all kinds of crazy actors posting food that's just been delivered by Postmates. <laughs> so they've, they've gotten a lot of traction just because of the market that they're in. Postmates came to us a little while ago because they were releasing a food delivery robot which is a little shopping cart-esque robot. It looks a, something like a cross between Wally e and R2-D2. Mm -hmm. That's why I brought it up. Yeah, because yeah. I was like, oh, this is so cool. It's <laughs> amazing. And um, when I heard that this project was coming to us and that we were going to be working through this with them, um, I mean, I was like over the moon because it was so much childhood <laughs> <laughs> coming together. Yeah, it's a robot bringing you food. That's like a... Holy cow, we live in the future. <laughs> yes. And uh, yeah, so that's uh, that was amazing. And, um, you know, they did, a you know, kudos to them, the thoughtfulness that went into the design of that robot. There's some incredible articles out there that are worth checking out about you know the design thinking that went into how to make this look like a robot that you don't want to kick over on the street but one that you want to welcome into your streetscape yeah because we've seen enough science fiction films now like we've yep. seen the terminator yep. that's the evil robot yep totally <laughs> and we've seen wally -E, which is a nice robot yeah totally and um and so what we worked on with them was the um an extension of that uh communications package so i mean that's a big big part of what we do at gem3 we help people uh, launch new uh, technologies and products into the world and to do so with the positioning that they want to mm -hmm. get the impression that, that you're looking for and that you, you and the understand your intention. And um, so we were, we were helping to kind of tell that story uh, in their, in their dot com ar around um, what this product is, how considerate it is of the streetscape and the environment and the communities and, uh, and you know how it does what it does yeah and so is that work started to come out now the work that you've done yeah with them? That, that piece is out now and uh it's you know it's it's a it's just a it's a it's a well thought through website essentially mm -hmm. so it's um it just it just tells the story of that product and then the the robots themselves are are going to be out i believe in march or april this year but in LA though, in, in San LA, Fran. LA, San Fran. Okay, are the robots coming here at all? We'll see. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully. Yeah. This is why I asked you how much time you spend in the future. I mean, the robots yeah. bringing you food. That's yeah. like. Yeah, it's really exciting. I mean, it was amazing to be um, within the uh, circle of trust there before um, before it's released. So, yeah, yeah, that's fun. This is uh, uh, maybe a slightly ignorant question, so I apologize, but I'm gonna ask it anyways. But do the companies know themselves and what they actually offer, or is it just a certain point they just put stuff out there and like we don't know if people like this or not? Like people have been drinking Coke for years. Do people like this stuff, or like you know, we're, we're Procter and Gamble. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do yeah. people like Mr. Clean? Like, do they lose the thread after a certain point? There's there's no universal answer to that question. Uh, I think I think every brand uh, needs to spend more time truly understanding and getting a third-party point of view on their customers and how their products fit into their experience. I think that's just ongoing learning, continuous pursuit of learning that brands need to be doing, and no one's doing enough of that. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, there's more information than ever out there ready to be processed, ready to be understood, ready to be truly considered and, and, and then reintegrated into... Um, to the next uh, round of, of consideration. I mean, we, you know, we do um, rich uh, analytics in, in all of the products and services and experiences that we make. So we, we have a really good understanding of how people are moving through them and uh, what's working and what's not. And then we apply that as an, as an agency, we apply that continuous learning to the next round of products and services that we, that we make, um, whether it's for that brand or for another. Uh, it's it's just helpful for us to be the best that we can be, mm -hmm. and then the brands themselves can either, you know, trust us to continue to apply that learning to their um, to their products and services, or um, you know, richly understand it and then integrate that into their next round of product development itself, and then that's where things I think get really exciting. Yeah, because I mean, we were talking about off air, like 
uh, we grew up uh, in the 70s and early 80s. So Adidas comes in with like Run DMC and that was our kind of our introduction to it. And then for years after that, you had like the Adidas house party and those kind of things with all these really cool people in there. Mm-hmm. Those are really cool commercials. And now it's like the young kids coming up. They're looking at Adidas through like Pharrell and other people. You know what I mean? So yeah. a company like that, that's what I was asking because it's like it's been through all these iterations. Yep. Yeah. And so it's like it's it's interesting to see how they continue to view themselves or how they've allowed them uh, the evolution of the how they've viewed themselves. Yeah. No, definitely. I mean, I think the the their their self-awareness is is always changing depending on the the uh, richness that they or the time that they invest in that self-understanding and then and self-awareness and then but then the brands the brands themselves are moving and evolving and you know, I think brands are evolutionary systems today and need to be they need to be malleable and they need to be allowed to evolve and you know to respond to and be a part of culture and be active cultural creators and you know that's i think that's a big part of why adidas has has you know risen Mm -hmm. so fast and so so fluidly is because they're active participants in culture and uh and they create and they creators unite yep and I guess then, just to kind of wrap up then, your job is basically always to be learning then. You can't really have a, a quote-unquote a set set of expectations or something like this. You kind of like, company like Postmates come to you and they're like, oh, maybe robots are nice and they can deliver us food. Maybe they're not like evil like we saw in science fiction movies. Like, you're always kind of learning and growing and adapting yourself. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, curiosity is one of our core values here. And we hire for we have, that's part of our hiring criteria is are you curious <laughs> yeah. don't ask people that question but <laughs> because it's hard to talk with the chicken wings in your yeah, mouth yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> but we try to determine <laughs> wait that comes next oh, sorry. but we try to uh, we try to determine you know like that like how how curious people are and we need people that are into c- continuous learning and uh, how do you pursue how do you pursue that personal betterment through through learning it's 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 a wonderful thing that's what we're here to do and isn't curious kind of uh, being curious isn't that kind of dangerous these days the way what our climate is and the way our discussions are online and stuff like that people have a lot of uh rigid or set ideas or set uh, expectations whatever so if you're curious sometimes it's almost like you're questioning established or settled theories or ideas does that make sense yeah so it kind of like makes you more dangerous in a sense doesn't it i think it's good to be dangerous that's it. We got ended there. That's uh, <laughs> it was really cool. Where can people find you online and see some of the projects and some of the stuff you have coming up? Yep. Uh, so you can check us out on our socials. Uh, it's generally Jam3, mm-hmm. uh, all one word, or at jam3.com. Okay. Thank you, Michael, for taking some time and just kind of talking about all the cool stuff with Adidas and stuff like that. Are you guys going to be doing more Adidas stuff in the future as well? Yeah, 100%. Okay. What Adidas are you rocking today, by the way? Oh, I've got a pair of uh, Stan Smiths on. Okay. The classics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's nice. All right. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. All right. Thank you. So I'm actually wearing an Adidas track uh, suit jacket right now. So <laughs> it's all coming together. You can follow me, uh, my pal Sammy. And that's for Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, my pal Sammy. And this has been another exciting episode of My Summer Layer. Thank you.